0: Dear teacher, when you got your first job, did you get the most undesirable position in your department or grade level? How about passed up for a position because the other applicant had more seniority? Have you ever presented ideas at a meeting just to get totally shot down? If this sounds like you, I'm sure you've looked at your situation and wondered Am I valued? There are many times in my career where i've shared my ideas because i thought it would make things better only to be ignored or sometimes acknowledged on the spot but then there was no follow-up later on which left me really excited and then discouraged or i was told flat out no because basically it didn't fit the status quo it's discouraging and can leave a teacher wondering hmm administrators do you even see me am i only valuable to you if i get high enough marks and no parents are complaining In today's episode, we're going to hear from National Health Teacher of the Year, Andy Milne. He loves teaching, and clearly he adds a lot of value for his students and colleagues, while also inspiring other teachers with his work online. If you haven't seen it yet, you should check it out. But at one point, he wondered just how valuable he was, and he even quit teaching for a time, which is really weird, because if you look him up now, you can see a teacher that's at the top of his game. But there were low points, and it seems that we all... Teachers have to go through a time of questioning. And many of us make it, but some of us don't. And that's what I want to talk about for a little bit before I get to my conversation with Andy. Several months ago, I started an email conversation with a teacher in another state. Let's call her Jane. This veteran teacher was really struggling. Here's how she described herself in an email that she sent to me She says, I have been doing this for over 20 years, and I am an excellent teacher who is not afraid to try new things reflect about previous assignments, units, plans, etc. And I am someone who loves teaching. But she goes on to describe a problem that she was having. My district has forced us to use this new program, which totally changes the way I teach in ways that I feel is not beneficial to my students. I feel like this program is not helpful to students and limits the teacher and how we teach. My district has spent a lot of money on this person and the program that she brings with her a wealth of knowledge, and some pretty cool tools that we can and should use in our toolbox, but the expectation is to dive into this program only and throw away everything else. It is crazy. So Jane and I started emailing back and forth, and I learned that there had been many changes in her district over the 20 years. It's clear that they were not valuing her insights because they weren't even asking. After a few more exchanges, we ended up dropping out of touch for a time. And then one day I reached back out to check in. And the message that I received from her was such a turnaround. First, it turned out the program and consultant couldn't deliver. And so administration was very frustrated, which meant that the whole thing was sort of falling apart. But the transformation that happened with Jane was remarkable. Let me share a few words from her that really stood out to me. I have come to some epiphanies with respect to my own teaching practice that have helped me better handle the current climate and crazy amount of paperwork and proving I am doing what I say I am doing that my district seems to demand of us. Each year, they ask more and more from me and do not remove any of the other requests. So it has felt like a consistent piling on. As a teacher for over 20 years, I am not able to see what really matters to them anymore. I know what makes me a dynamic teacher, the connections I form with my students. I love that, and I love them. All the other stuff is secondary, and most of it nonsensical. I have decided to focus on what I know is good practice, which starts with teaching the kids in front of me. I am going to meet their needs in the best way I possibly can. I have so much to learn, but I also recognize how valuable I am as well. Wait, wait, wait. Let me read that again. I recognize how valuable I am. Whew. That gives me the chills. She goes on. So I choose to believe in myself and do what I think is most appropriate and good. The uber strict unit plans that require so much time, effort, and energy have taken a backseat to my day-to-day, more powerful, and meaningful lesson plans. I have grown tired of the dog and pony show. So I have turned inward. I'm going to do what I see fit and rely on what I know will work. This doesn't mean I will not try new things. This means that I will not kowtow to the next trend or the next hot topic. Rather, I will take what I need and then create another tool in my toolbox. It is a rather late in the game epiphany that I came to, but better late than never. Oh, and she's not done, ladies and gentlemen. Just one or two more lines from her. She goes on. I refuse to walk the halls angry or defensive. I have chosen to be the teacher I know I am. I am not going to drown in the minutia of the day, week, or year. I know this won't always win me friends, but as long as I know I am doing what I need to do in my classroom each day, then that is what matters more than anything else. Whew. Chills, guys. I have chills. That's a teacher who knows her worth. Wow. And it goes to show us that we don't need to wait for others to tell us how valuable we are. But we can find that confidence within, especially if we've been at our craft for a long time. And if we've seen a lot of changes, we know it works. And I know for some of you, you might be tempted to hear something in that story that isn't there. That maybe we can stand up against administration and and fight the man. That's not the point. The point is that after 20 years, I mean, they've hired her for 20 years and let her teach for 20 years, that she knows what reaches students and what doesn't. And she can be confident in that. So Jane, I just wanted to say your story, it's an inspiration. And I'm not really sure how to transition here, but let me move into my conversation with Andy coming up. I just wanted to say one last thing. Thank you, listener, so much for listening to this podcast. As you listen, if you find it adds a little value to your day, your week, your month, please consider subscribing. And if you're willing to subscribe, could you consider rating Dear Teacher, Don't Give Up? Which will help the show climb in the ranks so that other teachers can find us just a little easier. If you could do that, that'd be wonderful. Now, on to my conversation with Andy Milne. All right, and now we're joined with Andy Milne. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Before we get rolling here, would you mind telling everybody a little bit about yourself and your current role in school?
1: Certainly. Well, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not from these parts. I'm originally from London, (laughs) England, and uh, I taught in three schools in London um, for 12 years before making the transition to America. And now I find myself in my 24th year, I think. Wow. I think you stopped counting after about 20. Okay. Um, and now I'm working in an absolute fantastic school in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, it's a school called Nutria High School. It has uh, 4,000 students Ooh. over two campuses. Um, the PE department alone, which encompasses uh, dance as well, has 36 teachers. And and in those 36, there are three national teachers of the year. Uh, so I really am. If you are the sum of the people that surround you, then I'm, I'm surrounded by absolute teaching heroes of mine. Wow. Uh, I teach health and PE. Uh, and I also have some side responsibilities uh, looking at student growth. And I sponsor a couple of clubs as well. Um, and then I'm married to a, a wonderful biology teacher. We have two young sons um, and, and right now, life is absolutely wonderful. I am living the American dream.
0: Wow. Well, awesome. As we get started here, before we get into your story, I would, I kind of want to know, Like you sound like you have the ideal sort of situation, working at a great campus, working in a department with three teachers of the year. Um, mm-hmm. I've yet to have that experience. How much would you say that you enjoy your job right now? <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, yes. um, it's probably
1: a 10. Okay. which is i mean i would never have imagined that coming into teaching i didn't even know if i wanted to be a teacher and now 24 oh. years on i have a 70 minute commute i drive for 70 minutes uh east towards lake michigan 70 uh, 70 okay. and that doesn't diminish the you know that the experience that i have my students are well resourced they're um exceptionally motivated they're all going to go to the four-year college of their choice. Um, If only they could just manage their anxiety and the stresses of having to cope with such disappointments as having an ACT score below 30. Um, It's it's wonderful. I'm supported by my department chair. My administration um, encourage us to take risks. They want us to be creative. Uh, They send us to conferences with their blessings um, because we're so well-resourced. And I think they even see it as a responsibility that, if they can't send their teachers out to share the good things, then who can? Um, so I, I tell my students that I'm never going to leave, and if and when they have kids and nieces
0: and nephews, I want to be here to teach them too. Yeah, that's That sounds amazing. And part of the reason that I'm having you on here is I think this is the picture that a lot of us can get if we, you know, were to Google your name and find your your website, which we'll talk about later. Um, mm-hmm. But the, it wasn't always this way, and I think for pretty much every teacher who finds themselves in this really ideal situation, uh, there was there's a lot of hard work that went into that. There were some hard times, and that's why I wanted you to come on, because um, even though we may find you where you are right now, if, if we were to kind of interact with you or, or meet you for the first time, we wouldn't necessarily see all that story, and I, that's kind of what I want to get to, is it wasn't always this ideal picture that you're painting right now, So why don't you tell us about a time where you once questioned whether teaching was for you?
1: Well, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I stumbled into teaching. It just seemed to be the best pathway for me being sporty and and seeing (laughs) success in in that environment. And and once I'd gone through college and justified to friends and family that I wanted to become a teacher, I became a teacher. Uh, And then once I started interacting with students, um, I realized that perhaps this was my calling, had a great experience in a small school, very small school, 850 students initially. And I outgrew that. And through my connections, I I found a job elsewhere in another local school, slightly bigger, more responsibility, and was able Mm -hmm. to coach sports. But seven years into my career, I just started to get a bit jaded. Mm -hmm. And I'd always said, um, once those thoughts of disillusionment and and feeling jaded entered your mind, you can't can't teach – when there's those negative thoughts kind of flooding your brain, and I had, I think your first five years, you're looking to just survive. Right, um, you're finding your way as a teacher. You're trying to, you know, forge a reputation amongst the older the staff, the older faculty. Um, once you've survived the five years, then it's all about honing your craft um, and seeking out uh, increased opportunities. And I'd, I'd interviewed for something internally and I got knocked back. Um, then mm. a very prominent mentor. And mentors are so, so important to, to young professionals and and older ones. But my right. mentor moved away as well. Um, so yeah. I was kind of looking around. I saw older teachers looking after themselves first. I saw older teachers with more privilege, uh, cherry-picking the best classes. I mm. saw young teachers in in London in an urban environment Having to leave the school because they couldn't afford to purchase a property, so they had to move elsewhere where property was cheaper um, and and I just felt I just felt like there there has to be more to it than this and once like I said, I had the thoughts of leaving then I was offered some promote uh, some opportunities in other schools, but my mind had been made up that perhaps there was something else out there, but I also want to throw in because I think this is quite important that mm-hmm. I was also a young thirty something single living in a big city okay so as much as i felt like teaching i needed a change in teaching you do have to also to to take into account that you know at that point you're maybe looking to find a partner maybe you're looking to settle down purchase a property right so you do have all of these other layers as well so i wonder if our conversation would get to the point you know is it more than just is it just teaching that you're looking to move away from but for me i felt like it was the right time for me to move away from teaching
0: yeah, now, and you're probably going to get to this in a minute here, but what I'm hearing in your answer there, your response, is I didn't really hear anything about like you, you weren't reaching the students or you weren't you were having trouble in the classroom. So it wasn't actually teaching, right? It was more of the other side uh, of being a teacher. It
1: was the politics, it was the politics, um, the lack of funding. It didn't help, um, perhaps a lack of opportunity available to my students. Um, but I've I've never had a problem connecting with kids, and I and I think that really is the the secret weapon when it comes to teaching. But I didn't feel valued. Mm. Um you know, being being knocked back for an internal promotion, I didn't feel valued. I also didn't feel like my subject, I was predominantly teaching physical education then. I didn't feel like that was being valued either. Mm. And one like I said earlier, one of the reasons why I love where I'm at is because I do feel valued. Um I am professionally developed, I am paid. I think what kind of what I'm worth. And I didn't feel any
0: of that oh in my boy. in that job.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I've been talking with some other teachers too, and that's kind of what the sense that we're getting to when I was coming into the profession that we are, or you're only valuable if, and then there was usually some conditions attached to it that didn't really feel like it was really reaching students. It was more about like scoring getting scores and things like that, that that's where the value came from or being around the longest, like you mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah. I I really value your stuff I know that um I actually haven't engaged with you about this but as an ELA teacher I have been the last year trying to think how can I get more movement into my classroom and so some of the work you've put online I've I've actually tried as much as I could to incorporate into an ELA classroom because you know movement is so important and getting the brain that's awesome like fired up so um we can talk about that later though <laughs> so uh all right, so when things were getting to their lowest point for you, how was that affecting your life outside the classroom?
1: Um, it's difficult when you, like I said, when you're at that point of your life and, and you've told everybody that you are a teacher and that becomes your identity and, and people know you as the teacher. You know. And I mm-hmm. graduated from high school and college with the banker and mm-hmm. the musician, and they all had these successful identities. And okay. And when you say it's time for me to move on, what, what what do you become um, with with the thoughts of leaving entering my head? It was you know I had to move on. I I thought maybe money was more important. And at that time, my younger brother, who perhaps has uh, less of a lengthy resume in in academics uh, sure. as I do, he was earning two, three, four times my salary oh my. in a completely different profession. And I thought, well, maybe that's 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 what I should try. Um, so I, I moved away from teaching and mm-hmm. I went into headhunting. I went into recruitment where money, money was, was, was good. And I was able to earn bonuses. But when I would recruit these, these, um, accountants and I'd find them a job and they'd get a, a huge salary hike and I'd get a bonus. My coworkers said, well, why aren't you happy? You don't seem happy that you've just landed another job. And I oh. said, you know as a pe teacher when you've taught a blind kid to head or a soccer ball and when you've taught a boy who has no hands to swim you can't put a value on mm-hmm. on the emotional reward that we get as teachers and within a year 18 months of moving away from the from from the profession i've realized that that was where i felt most comfortable and where i should be um i was i was in an office I wasn't moving. Um, I only interacted with the four or five people in my office and people at the other end of a telephone. Whereas, I mean, you experience this as well. And, and anyone who's listening to the podcast as a teacher, you walk from one end of the building to another and you're just getting smiles and high fives and hey, Mr. Melon," you know, all the time. And I live life gamefully. Mm-hmm. And if Super Mario travels through uh, his world and he's collecting rings and he's constantly leveling up, I was missing that 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 leveling up of a high five and a smile and a, you know maybe a fist bump. And now because I approach life in a more gameful uh, way, you know I, I, I'm I'm constantly leveling up. I'm reaching the next the next stage of a game, and I had none of that in this this dull environment. Of an office
0: uh, yeah that makes a lot of I, d- I have thought that over the years at some lower points too even in the classroom where you're you're questioning like oh man am i going to stay in this and then i hear stories kind of like yours where i have friends that that may be stuck without moving without interacting with people and it's like no this is the best job for me um interacting with all these these students and these young people and watching them grow and learn yeah so at that low point um who or what helped you figure out your next steps
1: uh talking to my brother about making a move was was one um i've always been very headstrong though i've always felt um, if not now when you know and, mm-hmm. I, and I never really mulled decisions over i've always just jumped in with both feet and i'm fortunate that it, that's paid off for me i mean eventually moving away to America and starting again uh, with no reputation that was that i guess is that's the biggest example but we had great uh, professors at the college that I went to. And when we graduated, they said, you know, you are a great group of students. You, you've you got these great skills. You've been to a great institution. You should be confident in your ability and know that, you know, you, the world is your oyster. Mm. And I guess I kind of embraced that. Uh, and, I, and I figured that whatever I tried in life, I was going to be successful. I'm not going to discount the fact that I come with a hell of a lot of privilege. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so I put my hand up to that. But it really was a case of I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do this. Now, that's not the advice that I would give to anybody now who was thinking about leaving the profession. I would definitely say, um, think about this decision um, and definitely speak to, to loved ones. I didn't really have anyone who was a seven year teacher in my position to speak to. I mean, now I'm surrounded by 36 teachers, so I'm more likely to have had that opportunity. Right. So social media wasn't a thing back then. And, and now I would definitely say to young teachers, um, if you're feeling this way, find your, find your peers, who else, you know, out there in the Twitter sphere has been teaching for as long as you have, has been going through the experiences that you have and then, you know, and, and share your ideas and thoughts and work out, is it really teaching that you've fallen out of love with?
0: Right. Yeah. Seven years seems to be I guess there's that seven-year itch, right, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, yeah. uh, that's when I experienced it. That's kind of, I think that's when you and I interacted first was when you were looking at my my post about how I was about ready to quit about seven years in. And yeah, yeah I, absolutely, your advice is right on. Um, as long as you're talking to, you know, somebody that values you and cares about you and is wanting to help you and has some really good perspective. So, yeah. Describe your journey since that point. So you got to that point. You're talking to loved ones and and hearing their advice. And you're also feeling that inner drive. You need something different. Maybe go back. Um, What what inspired you to keep coming or come back and then to stay in teaching and to keep leveling up?
1: as you described it. So I, yeah, I, I reached out to Connections. I, as, as a PE teacher, you get to travel to other schools and you meet other teachers and you're coaching. So I think we're fortunate that we do get out of that classroom space a bit more frequently than than other subjects. Um, so I had built up a, a reputation and, and a number of contacts. And so once I let it be known that I was looking to return, I, I was contacted by a school who had a, a vacancy and, and I was ideal for what they needed. So I'd gone from a small school with 850 kids, very under-resourced um, students, mostly left school at 16 because you can in England, mm-hmm. um, and I ended up in a in a very prestigious all boys school in the south of London, exceptionally well resourced, well connected. It was a Harry Potter environment. Oh, it was nice. like Hogwarts. You know, our croquet our croquet team was unbeaten for two seasons. So I'd gone from I'd gone from you know from one end of the spectrum of a teaching environment to the other end of the spectrum. And and this was the job for me. I was going to stay there forever. They valued the fact that I'd left teaching. They didn't see it as a weakness. And Mm. I was fortunate that the administration and the hiring committee viewed it that way because I know that not everybody sees a break from teaching as a strength, but I've benefited from forward thinking administration, both there and in my current environment as well. So I know that I'm in a unique situation. So, yes, I was teaching there for five years, um, thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, would have stayed there forever um, if I hadn't bumped into a girl in a bar and uh, in London and one thing <laughs> led to another. And, and that meant I had to move to America where having built 12 years of a reputation and, and being respected as an educator and a coach to then come to another country where nobody knows you, um, your educational materials don't, don't translate. I have no GPA, no major, no minor, no transcripts. Um, I played baseball. Uh, I can't play football. So to come back, uh, and reinvent myself again, I think I was lucky because I had left and come back and reinvented. I, I think that gave me the the confidence to push through with the, 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 the chasing of the dream here in America. Mm. Um, and, and that's, and that's how I find myself in the States. Uh, you land in America, you, you, you wait. takes the time for your green card to come through, um, and in that time you can't teach, but you can be an aide. So okay. I, I worked in high school, I was a special ed aide, I learned about special education. Oh, hey, I learned all the good things that American education does. Um, and then once I, my reputation was was developed and I, uh, I picked up my green card, I ended up at a local Catholic school. Carmel Catholic gave me my first break in America, and that's why when I, t- I tweet as Carmel Catholic, they let me um, do my own thing in the classroom. I uh, experimented with technology. I, I created a health curriculum. And then my dream job came calling. And because I had um, I, I, I made my contacts here in the States and was given the opportunity to try something new on a daily basis at Carmel Catholic, um, when I was able to apply for uh, a job at Nutria High School, although I didn't look like a typical applicant, there was enough to pique their interest. And I think as you can tell, I'm, I'm passionate about what I do and I'm, I'm passionate about education. And sitting in front of uh, a hiring committee, I can speak passionately about about what I hope to do with students. And, uh, and and now I find myself, like I said, living the dream.
0: So it sounds to me like the kind of theme I'm hearing here is that you just kept, like you had this drive, this desire, your your ideals kind of pushing you forward. And you went and found the opportunity that sort of fit what you had to offer. Is that accurate?
1: I think that's fair. I think when when you get your first teaching job out of college and you're probably gonna grab, you know, anything with both hands because you've got student loans to pay and right. a to prove. Your first job is not going to be your dream job, mm. um, and, and in England, you are encouraged to move around. Schools are smaller, so um, promotional opportunities and leadership opportunities are fewer and far between. And I think schools are more likely to look elsewhere and recruit from outside of the of the environment. Whereas here in the states, with um, with tenure, people are loath to leave, and the longer you've been in the profession, the more exp- uh, expensive you are. So. the the environment here that isn't doesn't set you up to market yourself and look elsewhere certainly not for teachers perhaps a bit more so for coaches Mm. Um, but that is one of the the words of advice that I will give to teachers who are who are thinking of leaving teaching is that is it really teaching that you need to leave or are you just really annoyed with the workload Mm -hmm. or do the politics get you down or is the school not right for you and I think somewhere I created a buzzy tweet and and, it, and I think I said, um, you know, quit your setting mm-hmm. rather than quit teaching because maybe teaching is still the right job for you, but just somewhere else.
0: Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying because, oh, so it's almost like if I could kind of separate a couple things in here is yeah. there's the work that you love and you love working with the students and leveling up in your craft and, and getting good there. But then there's the Kind of the physical place where you teach too, and those don't necessarily have to—I um, don't know the word I'm looking for here. I'm struggling this morning, but they don't necessarily have to fit together. And if if both aren't matching up, then you need to go find the place where they do match. Am I making sense?
1: You're right. No, I think you're right. If you're passionate about what you do and you're in the four walls of your classroom, then that's wonderful. You can have a great experience for forty minutes but you have to leave your classroom and you have to walk the hallways. And if the hallways are a lonely place and if going to the faculty lounge or the you know the staff room is a foreboding uh, thing for you to do, then you know. <laughs> if I come back to the, the the Super Mario thing, this is where you get hit and the coins get dropped on the floor and mm-hmm. you have to start all over again. Um, so you're right. I think a lot of things have to align for you to have the perfect job. I wouldn't expect people to still be drinking the Kool-Aid like I am. And I mean, I'm like, the, I'm like the, the person at Jimmy John's or the Apple store, you know, I'm like, Hey, good morning to my class. Welcome. Because I'm constantly on that high uh, for, for the date because, because I, I have everything in the right place and it allows me to be as successful as I can and still keep my physical health and my mental health and my sanity. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I've sought those opportunities out. I have worked hard to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I acknowledge that not everybody is as fortunate or as privileged as I have been.
0: Yeah, and uh, this is more about you, but I will just say I identify with what you're saying because there was one year in my career where I was underneath a certain administrator where it just I got real anxious about my interactions there, and it was with a particular, the whole administration really, and there was by the, I don't know, I'm gonna say about this time of the year, so what are we, February, March, I would just get really tied up in knots inside when I would be on campus and it was this really weird experience where it was like as I was driving I didn't have a 70-minute commute but at some point on my commute like the feelings would set inside in my gut like this these knots would start forming and then I would pull into the parking lot and they'd be really you know really strong and then I'd get in my room and then the bell would ring for first period to start and I'd be there with my students and it all would go away and and teaching was wonderful and I had a wonderful experience all day. And then that final bell would ring and then the knots would return at the end of the yes. day. And I realized that it just was a mismatch between me, what I could provide and what I was bringing to the table and the place where I was. So I hear what you're yeah, saying. I
1: think, I think your relationship with your students is key. Your relationships with the teachers around you is crucial. But the most important relationship you have is that with yourself yeah. and you have to, you 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 cannot teach to your best if you are stressed if you are undernourished if you um, aren't getting enough sleep and when when that starts to go when your your own personal health starts to go and your performance level drops you have to look after yourself first above all else
0: excellent words is there uh, anything else to add here at the end
1: understand that that Teaching and, and, and learning to become a teacher, it equips you with an amazing set of skills. And those set of skills are transferable. Um, people, employers will happily take on board people with the skill set that someone would have if they chose to leave teaching. But also know that there is a shortage, there's always a shortage of great, start, uh, great teachers. And if you're a great teacher and you've taken a break, you will be able to find a job somewhere in education. It might not be in a classroom. It might be in a different, in a different environment, but you will always be able to find a, an opportunity elsewhere. So have the faith, trust your gut, trust your friends and family, um, make a decision that you think is best for you at that time, but know that, that any decision you make isn't a final decision.
0: Great words. Thank you so much for that. So for those of you, uh, for those, out, or those who are listening, excuse me, uh, encouraged by your story, how can they connect with you?
1: I love Twitter. Twitter was a, an opportunity for me to find my people when I, when I stepped off that boat and, uh, and I couldn't understand what half of y'all were saying. Um, I, found my peop- I found my people on Twitter. Uh, so you can find me. I tweet as Carmel Health because Carmel Catholic gave me my, my first nice. break. So, Carmel Health. I have a, a website um, that predominantly is aimed at health teachers, and that's called slowchathealth.com. And then if you really want more Andy Milne, uh, I have a fundraising initiative that sends teachers to conferences as well. And you can find me at sendateacher.com.
0: And, you know, just because your slowchathealth.com is aimed at health teachers doesn't mean that other subject areas can't benefit. So I've I've read your posts there and it's some of the ideas and perspectives have worked their way into my classroom with my students. So I appreciate, I appreciate you putting that, that out there. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much, Andy, for coming on to talk about your journey, your experience. Um, I'm really hoping that it's a help to a lot of teachers out there.
1: Thank you very much. I love your blog and, and this podcast is, is can only be a, of benefit to, to teachers. So thank you for the great work that you're doing too.
0: Thank you so much, listener, for joining in my conversation with Andy. As Andy and I discussed, we both started to question our place in education when we were about seven years in, asking, is this really for me? Eventually, we did find our way, and we're both in it for the long haul. At the time that I was going through what I was going through and questioning, I had teacher friends willing to invest time in hearing me out to help me think through my next steps. If you find yourself there, or if you're looking at your current situation, and you don't have that, but you need some help processing things, please reach out. Andy and I would like to hear your story and offer whatever we can for you where you are in your journey. Twitter is the fastest way to get in touch with each of us. You can find Andy at Carmelhealth and me at Make Them Master It. Take the E out of Master. You can send us a tweet or you can send us a direct message. And if you prefer some longer form thinking, like in an email, Go ahead and check in with this post that goes along with the episode at com slash podcast slash valued. Go and leave a comment or find our email contact there and send us an email. Also, if today's episode caused you to think of a teacher you know, and you think it might be a help to that person, join me in getting us all connected so that as fellow educators, we can all help one another move from surviving to thriving. Please share today's episode on Twitter, Facebook, or the social media platform you prefer. Finally, if you are currently working in education and have ever thought about leaving the classroom, or right now, you're a classroom teacher looking for the nearest exit, I want to hear your story. Please, please, please email me at makethemmasterit@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Seriously, I want to hear your story. I want to hear all about it, the ins and outs. I invite you to send me an email. Don't forget to subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, or wherever you may be listening. I'm your host, Jeffrey E. Frieden. And because you hung in there all the way till the end, you're the bomb.